Look at this pasuk in Melachim. In Melachim, Perek Zayin, it discusses the building of the Bet HaMikdash. Who built the Bet HaMikdash? The first Bet HaMikdash? Shalom HaMelech. So over there it discusses the exact specifications of the entire building and all the vessels in it. So over there it discusses one of the Kelim in Pasuk Chav Gimel. It talks about the basin. You know what the basin is? Some, some, some vessel for water. So it talks about the basin that they had in the Beta Migdash that was used by Kohanim to wash their hands, to wash their feet. The basin is called the Yam. Yam is like uh, the ocean. Vayas et Hayam. He made this basin. And let's see how the, uh, the measurement of this basin. Mutsak, right? Aeser Ba'ama was 10 amot. Okay, Amma is about one and a half to two feet. Aeser, something solid. Aeser Ba'ama, misefato at sefato. Which means the, the diameter, as you know, in a circle, there is a diameter. Diameter is from one end of the circle to the other end of the circle. You draw a straight line. That's called diameter. The diameter is 10 amot. Good. Agol saviv. It was a circle. It was all, right? Agol was round. The Hamesh Ba'ama Komato, it was five amot high. Good so far with us? So ten diameter, five high. The Kav, the word Kav means the uh, circumference, means you take that line, that diameter, and you draw a circle around it. Good, that's called the circumference of the circle. Vekav Sheloshim Ba'ama. The line comes out to be 30 amot. Yeah, it's big. Yasov Oto Saviv goes all around. Now, anybody who knows myth knows that that is off. What is the formula of the relationship between the diameter and the circumference? What, right? They call a pi, right? What is the number? What is the number? 3.14 and more. It's like an, it's an endless number. Never zeroes out. Huh? 3.1415. We'll stop there. Good? So that means if the diameter is indeed 10 amot, right? So how much should the circumference be? 31 amot, point four one. The pasuk is off. That means this pasuk is telling you 10 by 30. There's no such thing. 10 has to be 31.4. So now, I don't know if you ever noticed, I'm sure you noticed, that in the Torah, in Tanakh in general, there is the way the words are written. That's called Tiv. And there is the way the words are read. 
that's called Kiri, the way you read it. Generally speaking, it's always the same. The way it's written is the way you read it. So read, for example, Vayas, that's the first word. Vayas is spelled Vayas. And you read it, Vayas. It. All of Tanakh, usually, the way it's written is the way it's read. But there are exceptions throughout Tanakh where you have the way it's written, but we don't read it that way. We have it in the Torah sometimes. We have it in Nevi'im. We have it in Ketubim. Where the words are written one way, but we don't read it the way they're written. We have a tradition. We have a Mesorah. Sometimes there is an exception where the words are written one way, but we have a tradition dating back that we do not read it that way. We read it a different way. But here's one beautiful example. Look at the way the word vekav is written. If you open up any any Tanakh, you will see the word Vav Kuf Vav He. That reads Ve Kave. But we don't read it Ve Kave. It's obviously, the word Kave means to hope. doesn't mean that here. We don't read it Ve Kave. We read it Ve Kav. We just ignore the He and we read it Kav. The word kav means line that you draw around. Kave means I hope. We don't read I hope, obviously, doesn't mean that here. But we don't know for thousands of years, for thousands of years, this word vekave is there. No one knows why it's there. But we have a tradition. That's the way you write it. That's the way it's read. Obviously, there's deeper meaning behind it. Not necessarily do we always know why it is that way. Comes the Gaon Mevilna. Gaon Mevilna was a, besides being a great rabbi, he was a genius. Genius in Torah, genius in mathematics. Comes the Gaon and says, let me tell you why this word Kaveh is here. This is mind-boggling on every level. He says, if you take the word kaveh, how much is the word kaveh? Get a calculator out. Take, take out a calculator. 111, you're writing Alan. He says, take 111, which is kaveh, and put it on top of kav. What's kav? 106. Good so far? What's it 111 divided by 6? What 106? Times that by 30. 31.415. The exact number of pi. We've been reading this Pasuk for thousands of years. First of all, there's two problems with this Pasuk. One major, one just we don't understand. One is, one big problem is that the numbers are off. The numbers are off. It's not 10 to 30. 
That's the wrong number. We know that's not true. That's number one. That's the big problem. And then we see it's written Kaveh, but we read it Kav. We don't know why. Okay, we don't know why, but there's a good reason. Says the Gaon, I'm going to tell you why. Because Kaveh, the number Kaveh, are you listening? Doing it now? Okay. Kaveh is 111. Kav is 106. Take 111 over 106 times it by 30 because the Pasuk says Vekav Shloshim. Times it by 30. You have the exact number of pi. 111 divided by 106 times 30 is exactly the number 31. My, what is it? Alan? 31.415. Unbelievable. Huh? It's a beauty. Yeah. That, by the way, besides the, the amazing part in the Tanakh, how did the, the Gaon that he figured that out is unbelievable. Okay. Beautiful. Dave, do you understand how amazing this is? Uh, that's, it's wild. Let's move on. Gentlemen... How do you say ears in Lashona Kodesh? Oznaim. Oznaim. Ozen. Torah calls the ear Ozen. Two ears are Oznaim. How do you say listen? Lishmoa. Shema. Shema Yisrael to listen. Right? Now, it's interesting that the Ears, that mean to listen, really ears, what they do is they listen. They're called oznaim. Really to listen is lishmoa. They should be called shomaim. Why are they called oznaim? The Torah calls an ear ozen. Oznaim. Here, look, I brought one example in Tehillim. See it? In Hallel we say, they have ears but they don't hear but why is the word that describes ears it should be a word that correlates to hearing which is so I will tell you a recent scientific discovery I don't mean recently like yesterday but last few hundred years. I don't know exactly the date. There is a system inside the human body that keeps a person balanced. That means even when your body's tilting, you figure out your brain, my brain figures out a way to keep me standing even when I really should fall. Correct? So a person is either spinning or tilting, going forwards, backwards. There's a mechanism inside the human brain that gives orders to the body to balance itself and not to fall. Where is this balanced? Where does the brain get its message about where this guy is to help him balance himself? So the answer is, there is, you ever see by the builders, they have a, 
what's called a, a level. It has the it has the liquid in the middle. So when it's exactly in the middle, it means you're straight. Tilting means right that the, the, the liquid will go one way or the other. So something like that exists in the human body where there's liquids. And when a person moves, so the liquids turn, right? And then the body knows, the brain knows, oh, I got I to gotta make up for that and leave the guy balanced. Good. Where is this mechanism? By the ears. The ears have this mechanism of balancing the person through liquids. That's why, by the way, and if you remember, last time you went spinning, yes, when a person spins and then they stop, they still feel like they're spinning. How come? Because the water, the liquid, is still moving. So even though you stop, but your brain is getting the message that you're still spinning. Because your message gets the message, your brain gets the message from this liquid that's sitting there, balancing. Good. That's, that's the level of the human body. Now, unfortunately, as you know, some people struggle with that level. They have problems with it. And it becomes a very hard, it's a, it's a really almost impossible to live. Because you, you, you walk, you fall, you, you, you just, you, you get dizzy. It's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible disease. When a person can't keep that balance. Because, and where does that happen? There's something wrong in that, in that machine. Something wrong in the system. For thousands of years... The Torah refers to ears as Oznaim. No one knew why. Oznaim, that's where you listen. It should be called Shomaim. But now that we learned about what the ear does besides hearing, which is keeping your balance, now we understand why it's called Oznaim. You know what in Hebrew is Le'azen? You ever hear the word moznaim in Hebrew? You know moznaima? Scale. The ears. Ears. Besides hearing, they keep balance. That's why they're called oznaim. Because more, it seems from that, that more important than listening is that it keeps you balanced. For thousands of years, we had no idea why they called those nine. But now we see, we see the exact reason why, and that, that means the author of the Torah, the one who wrote Oznaim, understood that there is a balance mechanism inside the ear. Follow? Something that's very recently discovered. But you see the word Oznaim shows knowledge of this system inside the person's, inside <coughs> by, by the ear. Good. That's number two. Number three. 
The Gemara says in Masechet Nida, Darash Rabbi Simlai. Rabbi Simlai taught us the following information. Lema Havalad what is a fetus doing in the mother's womb? Says the says the Gemara Ner Daluklo, which means he has a light that's on. In other words, his brain is open, says the Gemara. Unbelievable. His brain is open. Al Rosho. And he's able to see Umabit. He recognizes what's going on. Says the Gemara Nida. The end lecha finishes off. Yamim she Adam Sharui Betova Yoter Meotan Yamim. There are no greater days for a person than those days. Okay, talking, this was written a few thousand years ago. Claiming. That a fetus has a brain, that he's aware, that he's thinking. Follow? This would have been ridiculed. It, it has been ridiculed for many thousands of years. That a fetus has brain power, understands what's going on. But recent scientific discoveries clearly prove that a fetus is learning. He picks up the language of his mother. They proved through research that a baby understands the language that he heard while he's in the fetus. He only, not only language, he picks up emotions. The emotions of a mother while she's pregnant have a very big influence on his emotions. Meaning, if she has anxiety or she's stressed out, he picks from that music that he heard, that he's familiar with. Different things that the mother does, this fetus is able to pick up. It's a Gemara explicit in Masechet Nida. Again, thousands of years have passed without any kind of scientific research, but the Gemara says it as Davar Pashut, as something simple, that a baby inside his mother, his mind is developed, and he's able to learn and understand and pick things up. There is a famous Gemara that you know, the Gemara continues over there and says that he learns Kola Torah Kula. Actually, during the time when he's in his mother's womb, they teach him all the wisdom necessary for living a great life. They teach him everything. And then what happens? The Gemara says, look what it says, number four. Who's they? The Malach, an angel. Yes, sir. It's enjoyable. He's learning. He has no, no obligations, no headaches. He just sits and learns. Someone that you're close to you.
Never has business meetings, misses the morning, misses the night. Well, what could be better? He's sitting there. Someone is eating for him. Someone is walking for him. He's protected, no heat, no cold. Comfortable, he sits and learns. What could be better than that? Huh? Best days. You want to know when the money comes in. That's what you want to know. You can't believe you could be enjoying it without money. Says the Gemara. Once he comes into the world, the minute he comes out, means the minute he sees light of the, this world, comes an angel and slaps him on his mouth and he forgets all the Torah that he learned. Now, by the way, angels don't mean flying, uh, I don't know, people, I know what you imagine an angel is. You think it's a guy with wings and he flies. That's what you think, no? When you think of an angel, what do you think? Okay, it's that, that's American uh, brainwash. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Then we get very hard, they get very, very hard hit. <laughs> huh? Could be, could be. But listen, hold on, hold on. A malach just means... A messenger of Hashem. That's what I'm, the word malach means messenger. The, the sun is a messenger. Our, our fingers are messengers. Anything that does, the will of the creator is called a malach. So when they call a guy, oh, that guy, he's a malach. What does that mean? It means he is a committed messenger of the creator. Got it so far? That's what a malach doesn't mean. Something that's uh, whatever you're imagining. A malach is a messenger of the creator of the world. Good. Shaliyah. Yes, messenger. Now, recent scientific discoveries have shown that a woman during childbirth, I'm going to read it to you, releases something called Oxytocin. Oxytocin is something that the woman releases at childbirth. They took this oxytocin and they studied it and they realized an amazing thing. That it causes forgetfulness. They put it on animals or on different experiments, and it causes them to forget. You follow? The malach that the Mishnah, that the Gemara talks about, Hashem sends a malach to make this child forget. They found today, the malach, they found the malach. He is this item called oxytocin. Every mother who gives, gives uh, birth she gets that and makes the person forget. How does that make sense? What is the value of teaching someone and then causing them to forget? So in reality, in reality, I told you this once, but I'll say it here in a different context. The human mind never forgets, ever. There's no such thing. The human mind remembers everything from the day that we're born and even before, remembers everything. 
every meeting you ever had, every person you ever met, every conversation you had, remembers everything. What we call forgetfulness is our lack of ability to access the information. That could happen. That's what Hashem created. The hand that picks up the information sometimes gets weak and doesn't have the ability to pick it up. I, I, I mentioned this last time. It's obvious this is, this, this is the fact. Sometimes you'll meet somebody that you totally don't remember. You totally say, I never met this guy in my life. I never saw him in my life. And all of a sudden, it gives you a hint of who he is. It gives you a little assistance. And all of a sudden, everything comes back to you. And, oh, you remember his name? You remember? Of course. Where was that information five minutes before? Answer is, it was there. But you were not able to access it. That's what we call forgetting. But in reality, the human mind has stored everything that ever happened to a person. It's all there, including this. Now, if you want to ask, so what's the value of this information? What is the value if we're going to forget it anyway? The answer is, you ever hear of the person's conscience? You ever hear of guilt? Guilt. Person does something wrong, he feels bad. He embarrasses somebody, feels guilty. He hurts somebody, feels guilty. Depending how, how pure he is, the guilt will be even greater. It's by the way, it's possible to destroy guilt. It is possible, meaning Hashem gave us guilt. It's possible to destroy it. If you do something again and again and again, it's possible you will stop losing, you will lose that feeling. But guilt is a natural human reaction when someone does bad. Why do we have guilt? I once heard something very beautiful from someone great. He says the following words, that guilt is to the soul as pain is to the body. When a person has pain, somewhere in his body, it's actually a good thing because pain is an alert that something's wrong with your tooth. Go fix it. Something is wrong with your heart. Go take care of it. When a person feels pain, it's an alert system that something's wrong. There's fire. Move back. People who don't have that sense, they are, there's a sickness that people don't feel pain, they're in tremendous danger. They could be burning and not know it. They could have a car running over their feet and they don't feel it. If you don't feel he gets hungry, you don't feel it, right? You don't feel pain. If you don't feel pain, you don't realize when you need something or when you need to stay away from something. Pain is very crucial to the person to alert him that something is wrong. When a person feels guilty, that is one of the greatest demonstrations of the human neshama, of the soul. Why should a body feel guilty? What are you feeling guilty about? answer is that inside our conscience there's a soul that knows the truth that knows what's right and wrong and when you do something wrong your neshama feels bad it feels down Hashem gave us this is not a waste of time this wisdom Hashem gave us that conscience that when we do good by the way it works the other way too when you do good in your life what happens to you feel good 
You just lost money. You wrote a check. You lost $100,000. You should feel bad. You worked so hard for that money. But guess what? You write a nice check. You give it to somebody that you're helping. And you feel good. What feels good? What part of you feels good? Your hands feel good. What, what feels good? Why should you feel good? Answer is, you have a conscience that has already in it programmed all the beautiful things that are going to help you in your life. When you do something good, you walk an old lady across the street, you feel good. You give up 10 minutes or 10 hours for somebody and you help save their marriage, you feel great. What are you feeling good? You lost 10 hours of your life. You lost money. You lost energy. Answer is that your soul, your soul has already programmed what's good in life and what's no good. By the way, when you learn something, when you learn something, either you learn Musar or you learn a Gemara or you learn a great lesson, you feel good. You walk as, oh wow, that, that tasted good. There's a beautiful taste in learning wisdom. Where does that taste come from? It comes from our soul saying, oh, I like that. That is something beautiful. I connect to that. And when you feel guilty, it's the soul crying out saying, there's something wrong. You can't talk like that. You can't do that. This is the value. So when we say that the Malach came and made us forget, it just means that if somebody asks us to quote it, we won't be able to quote it. But it's all there and it's actually helping us navigate in our lives what's right and wrong. The conscience of a person helps them figure out what's good and what's not good. Anyway, bottom line, this is another example today that we learned of a person building their emunah. Emunah not just as a creator, not just Hashem runs the world, but emunah when you read the Torah, you're learning Torah emet. You're learning something that is absolute truth. And there's constant demonstrations of that truth throughout. We learned a few examples. Be'ezat Hashem tomorrow. We'll continue in our study of Tehillim of Shilam Ma'alot. Have a great day. That's Lachat.